On this week's episode of the Shut Up and Build Bikes podcast, I share my interview with Garbaggio. This is a pretty exciting episode, a pretty special episode of the Shut Up and Build Bikes podcast that I can share with all of you because our guest this week is the trash man himself. It's Nick Kuzik in New York City. He's been doing a project called Garbaggio, and uh, it's a pretty stupid project. It's a pretty dumbass project, and I love it. I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, Nick has been working as an artist for a lot of his adult life you know, paintings and murals and various things. And uh, as an appreciator of the handmade bicycle uh, and, and having picked up some, you know, uh, some training from Johnny Coast and, you know, other various sources, uh, yeah, he, he bought a frame fixture from us in the past year and he started cranking out Garbaggio frames and they're pretty fun and they're pretty silly and and yet like uh they're, they're pretty good looking too he made i think one of his most iconic and stupid bikes is the uh pursuit tractor bike so it's got like knobby tires the pursuit you know sort of larger rear smaller front and the the body position you associate with a track cyclist in a pursuit position and uh yeah it's a pretty funny and whimsical bike and so we talk about that one and some of the other ones that he's done uh the tube joinery the paintwork that he puts into them and sort of the whole idea and the spirit of it um you know i can't help but be a little bit sincere to talk about things uh but of course uh this this interview kind of devolves into some uh, i i let it go a little more freely in the direction that it was going rather than trying to keep it super on task at all times i hope you really appreciate this interview i had a lot of fun recording it yeah that's kind of rad like so when i was in oh shit it was like second grade right like uh i was walking to the edge of my driveway in this hillbilly i'm from virginia which i'm from an area that's not like what maybe it's not like redneck it's kind of like a dc suburb but there was still a little bit of that hillbilly vibe like on the outskirts and this like wild ass hillbilly kid rode by on a black bike with yellow mag wheels this is like 84 Mm -hmm. and it was like a fucking golden chariot you know what i mean it was like like the so from that young i've always had that and i don't know a lot of people do a lot of people don't but like that sort of desire for the object of like what i thought was cool and like there was this like i want that thing you know what i mean and it like it went like into biking and skateboarding and like other parts of life too but i think there's an element of that weird desire to sort of like look cool i don't know what the fuck it is it's crazy right and and so i got my first bike that christmas and it didn't have the fucking golden mag wheels yeah and i was like super disappointed at first Mm -hmm. and then i rode down a fucking big ass hill in my backyard down into this little gulch and flipped straight over the handlebars and landed in the like in the mud and back like smacked my back on a rock and like looked up into the sky and was like this is it you know what i mean like so stoked like 
I always heard stories about my mom got kicked by a horse and she was scared of horses for the rest of her life. But like, I literally like almost gave, I mean, I might have given myself brain damage, but got right back up and like was stoked to, to like fucking bomb that hill again. Just more, just fucking stoked. You know what I mean? It was just like, and I didn't even know. And it had nothing to do with like that cool thing. Yeah. But it was just like, I could do something on it. And so then it was just like, I rode, I immediately got in trouble for just like riding right into the street and like down the road, you know, like, and was just like, fuck it, I'm on this thing now. And that happened with me with skateboarding as well. And it had a lot to do with also wanting to like get the fuck away from my crazy father who was gnarly. So like, there's a lot of that, like this sort of like subcultural, especially in the eighties and nineties. Right. It was like a lot of that subcultural stuff with like skateboarding and like maybe punk music and metal and, and like even maybe hip hop and stuff, a lot of, it was like a good escape for kids because there wasn't as much of like an internet escape situation. So like kids that were having a hard time, a lot of times those subcultures like biking and skateboarding especially was like, and a lot of graffiti stuff too. Like it's not, you're not coming from kids whose dads were like the nice, super nice dad, you know, who were like the really supportive coach that wanted to, you know, anyway, so like it was just a different vibe. So I smashed that bike quickly where I literally rode down the street by the time I was six or seven, rode over this sort of like driveway kind of hump. You know how driveways are kind of elevated where like the culvert goes under the ditch. And I was using the little, the little ditch as a jump and I was trying to clear the whole driveway and I fucking flew over the whole fucking single lane driveway. I was like eight, dude, I was blasting. Like I didn't know who evil Knievel (laughs) was, but I was fucking blasting. And I went all the way over the driveway down into the transition of the other side of the little ditch and right front wheeled onto the culvert, like dead into the fucking culvert sticking out of the the ditch. And the fucking crossbar of the barge went right through my fucking nose, like the cross bridge in my face. Wow. Like full, uh, like full on. I woke up in the arms of the man whose house I was at in his house and it was dark outside wow so like i was out so i destroyed myself like real bad like i think i fractured my skull in between my nose like right at my nose bridge i know i broke my nose wow and yeah like so it was just like complete so there but i never was like not wanting to do it i'm there's a there's a (laughs) i have a crazy there's something wrong i mean there's clearly like in a good way, maybe like something wrong here. You know what I mean? Like it's pretty rad. So then parents escape the fucking evil father situation, go to another neighborhood and mom feels bad about the chaos of my life. So she fucking bought me a mongoose decade and the the old dogs that are, if they listen to this, will know that it was like, kind of a cheese ball bootleg of like the really high end freestyle bikes with all the bells and whistles and the pegs and the platform and the fucking rotor. Like, do you know about those old BMX, uh, kind of like, I mean, I guess they're BMX bikes, but they were sort of freestyle bikes, but they were also heavy as fuck. Uh, I can, I can imagine the era, but I don't know that particular yeah. model that well. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you Google, mongoose decade and you can see it's like yeah yeah yeah. it had white mag wheels it was baby blue and it was like i think it was like four hundred dollars which to me when i was a little kid was like a fucking trillion dollars so this was like fifth grade yeah no that's hot 
yeah fuck yeah i was hyped and then i rolled up to this like the little the little like the kind of park area behind my little townhouse complex where all my other neighbors were and this homie comes by with a gt performer and it was like quadruple tight like it was like he just trumped me like so hard i was fucking like shit it was badass like the rotor was twice as cool the pegs were fucking stronger like the mags were fucking shinier it was like just double cool and then the other motherfucker comes in with the gt pro performer which was like the next fucking astronomical level up <laughs> and we were all fuck i was pissed and we were it was just like this hilarious hierarchy where even back then i was like that stupid comparison nonsense do you know what i mean like yeah of course back then you're a little kid and i was like i had the sweetest bike but then as soon as i see someone cooler yeah i'm all bummed and then that kid that's cooler than me thinks he's the shit and he's like hey, hey i got some cooler and then the even cooler come guy comes and then you watch that kid's face drop it's like fuck it's so stupid and then we were just like this posse and we were running around and fucking trying freestyle shit and like getting our goddamn ankles caught in the fucking chain and just like blowing it and having a blast. And then these like kind of roughneck kids wanted to hang with me one day and I was all stoked because they were like the cooler smokers. Mm-hmm. And they took me up and they were like, we can get onto the roof of the church. And I went to the roof of the church with them and the fucking I felt like a bad boy and I was feeling all cool and they fucking stole my goddamn mongoose decade. Oh, motherfuckers no. i know it was like and that was a heartbreaker and i didn't have the nerve to like tell like i wasn't gonna rat them out you know i didn't want to tell my mom and i think it was more about fear of getting beat up but like it was i didn't want to so i just like lost that bike and that was when i got like the expense of it was too much for my mom to afford so skateboarding was like way more kind of like a practical vehicle for that kind of like spaz energy jumping energy so yeah that's my that's the dawn of my my bicycling relationship just like total consumer like when the movie rad came out i was like fucking there you know what i mean like hyped and i actually saw it in the theater last couple months ago when it came out when they re-released the 30th anniversary of it and there was me and it was a huge theater and and i went to see it in times square which is the worst place to see it it was me and another dude that looked exactly like me in the theater. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> we were both like kind of ashamed, but gave each other a nod. Like, yep, we're here. <laughs> Two 40-year-old dudes. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm listening. I'm just blabbing. We're on a podcast. This is insane. Yeah. This is cool. Well, uh, yeah. No, it's a good story. It's, it's funny, too, comparing because, you know, I was a kid of the 90s and – mag wheels had staying power and bmx bikes were still very cool and i remember uh the one kid had a a diamondback joker and i mean anyone who was really into (laughs) bmx probably knew that it was just like a you know cheap bike or something but yeah i just remember seeing him like roll up and he couldn't do a single trick you know but like just of course not. seeing him show up to any sort of thing or ride a school or something. It's like, damn, Dude. damn. It's a fucking Lamborghini. Yeah. yeah. It was a fucking Lamborghini Countach. Right Countach. It's yeah. fucking, fucking hype. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. All right. So I can fast forward a little bit. Um, 
bikes. So yeah, like skateboarding became more of a thing and then graffiti and all that cultural stuff. And like, I got into all that world and then the art thing, I was always kind of a creative person. I was into that shit. Um, it's so funny to try to like give your life story in like a conversational, (laughs) (laughs) conversational. So, uh, I always had bikes and I always rode bikes, but I wasn't sort of as connected to like the culture of it in terms of, I wasn't interested in learning bike tricks. Uh, I definitely have never had an interest in racing. Like that's never been like the sort of competitive spirit. Like I was coming from sort of a I was coming from that like anti world of like fuck the jocks yeah. kind of thing. And like, so, and in the DC area, there, it, I, there wasn't a mountain biking culture and there definitely was a road thing, but it was another world. I didn't, it was older people. You know what I mean? Um, so I went to college and that's when I went to college, obviously, which seems to, I guess, pretty common, like, having a bike is just the best, right? Like for, if you don't have a car, which I did have a shitty car, but having a bike to get around was cool. And I had this rad, shitty old Schwinn beach cruiser. It was true blue. And it was like one of the old curvy tubes from like the late forties, early fifties. And I don't remember the name of it. It wasn't a traveler, but it was a, it was a cruiser. And I just rode that around for that first year, like all the time. And, you know, you have that thing is doesn't matter how shitty it is, but you love it because it's yours and you've been maybe give it a little love. And I did a little bit of tinkering and then I, so, but I knew like the bike courier guys and there's a culture down there in DC and in Richmond, Virginia, there was always like kind of a skater graffiti sort of music, uh, like subcultural kind of scene down there. And, uh, so I sort of met some of the courier guys down there. And then the another like kind of fortuitous. Talk. Okay, so here's a cool full, like a full circle thing. One day I was I went inside my friend's house at night. Richmond was kind of sketchy in the '90s, and like this is '96, I guess. And I left my beach cruiser outside. It was kind of fucked up, but and then I came out. I was like, shit, I left my bike out, and I went out, and I had this like glitch because I looked. And it was my bike, but it was a different bike. And I was very high on drugs. So I was like, wait, what's going on? Like, I was super stoned. And I don't know if I was on PCP, but I was like really like tweaking. And I didn't believe it was reality. So some dude, and I saw him later that night, must have walked by with a bike almost exactly like my bike, but nicer and newer but it had a flat tire. So he literally just switched it out (laughs) for my bike and like downgraded and like literally left me with a nicer, newer Schwinn, the same bike, but it was a straight tube bike and it was a 26 inch Schwinn. And it was sort of like a towny cruiser, but it was straight tubed. uh, And it was my size and it was like new. And so literally that bike, now that I'm thinking about it, it's hilarious. Like, my this huge gap in my relationship to bikes was like around theft (laughs) that's like and so then that bike like upgraded me and shortly thereafter a friend of mine named jim who i can talk about more as like a kind of important person in my relationship to bicycles um was a courier and he we were good friends and he actually sort of like keyed me into getting a job as a bike courier 
and I could do it on that bike for a little while. And I was like, oh shit, yeah, I have a, I have a good enough bike to do that. So in 1990, whatever it was, I I got a courier job, and uh, in Richmond, Virginia, which was small, and there was like maybe six. 16 or 12 couriers and maybe like seven of them were full-time um and so i got into that and uh that's when i started actually paying attention to like mechanics you know what i mean like like functioning how to keep a bike because yeah. i had to as opposed to just like relying on just random shop things i had no relationship with shops or anything like that so that was really the dawn of my relationship with bicycles because quickly I was surrounded by people that cared about bicycles. And then you start understanding and appreciating the nuances of what's good and what's not. Right. Yeah. And like one guy had a land shark and that was like, they all were like, Ooh, he's got a land shark. You know what I mean? And like, like, uh, one guy had one of those like really fucking, uh, dangerous really, but he had one of those big tube Cannondale, the original tracks with like the horizontal dropouts that stick off the, the crack and fail or whatever they're called. Like, he had one of those and that was like a rocket ship and you know and so yeah that's how that relationship started and and there was guys that had collection of track bikes and then that became kind of a thing where i sort of got into the track bike thing um anyways yeah so that's not about frame building but you know this is a podcast so we can talk about whatever we want to talk about it's pretty cool yeah so i you went to art school I mean, you had that, like, that's when I was in art school. Yeah. Yeah. You said that you have like a, you know, just a creative itch or a, it's, it's part of who you are. Right. And uh, did you always feel like making stuff was something that you had a big itch to do or was it creative and more? I mean, I feel like creative, like the, the, sure. the urge to create is to make stuff, whether it's physical or not. But like, how does right. that play into what you do now? Yeah, 100 percent. Right. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. Like that's all it is. Like my mom tells me this story of when I was like three or four, I dragged out my grandmother's box of oil paints out into the front yard and dumped it onto the floor and took a paintbrush and opened up a tube of paint and squeezed the tube out and then scooped the tube of paint with the brush, but with the back end of the brush and was poking the paint in the cracks of the bark. And she said she came out and she was like all kind of pissed. And then she saw what I was doing and watched me do it. And it was the first time she said that my spastic energy was focused. And I was sitting there, like sitting there supposedly for like maybe 10, 15 minutes, which I guess is a long time for like a three or four year old to be focused on some shit and was like really intent on putting the, the paint in the cracks of the bark between the chunks of bark, like in the line, like kind of drawing lines. And to me, like having heard that story later in life is like this really wonderful sort of affirmation of like kind of knowing my tendencies as a human being, like, like you're talking about like your inherent kind of like who you are. And it's Mm -hmm. cool to think that it's like, it just is there. You know what I mean? Like, so that was cool. Yeah, that's that's a part of that. And I also got in trouble for taking all of the furniture in the house and putting it into the middle of the living room and making like the Tower of Babel, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that was when I was like 10. I fucked up this really nice fucking dining room table, like putting chairs on it and shit. Yeah, that's frame building, right? Uh, I mean, it is kind of. <laughs> I, I think, you know, the 
to get to get caught up in the specifics is maybe a waste waste of of energy. But yeah, it's it's all kind of the same itch. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So got into soup into bikes and then i got like kind of snobby and because i'm in art school and i'm listening to like godspeed you black emperor and i think i'm important and intelligent and so i'm starting to think about like learning about these niche you know in that sort of competitive like you know wanting to beat the kid with the the pro performer you know what i mean like mm-hmm. oh you got a land shark but have you ever heard of tachyon do you know what i mean like like going into that realm where so my last name is ukrainian so i would kind of hear about the history of track racing and stuff and so i got kind of this urge to sort of like look into the history like of obviously like the soviet union was like kicking they were like winning a lot of track bike races so you would hear a little bit about soviet and like russian track bikes were being like were kind of of a pretty high quality as well i mean i don't know if that was it but it was more about the mystique of like being able to find one of these sort of rare ukrainian built bikes right and i was never able to find a tachyon um, like down in Richmond or at Trexler Town or any of that stuff. Like there was never, I never saw one, but I did find this, my friend had this bootleg and it was Russian letters, but it looked like it said the word pickle. So we just called it pickle. It was like P backwards Y C, you know, Russian letters. Mm-hmm. And so I had this like, you know, obscure kind of like lug steel, like 25, four top two, really flexible, like lightweight. I mean, nicely built. And it was like literally army green and had like hammers and sickles on it and shit. And <laughs> I had these fucking really nice Campagnolo, you know, I, I went, I went into that thing. So that was like, you start having that relationship with what actually good stuff is. And you kind of fuel your ego with like trying to find the nicest kind of most obscure, cool shit. And that bike was what I was like, Oh shit, this is hand fucking made. Like I really appreciate, like I really saw the craft in it at that moment because generally everything was like you frame it as a company and you frame it as this business thing and this thing was so oddball that i had no kind of relationship with any kind of industry of what soviet industry was in the like the early late 80 early 80s late 70s so that was when i was like oh yeah people make these things um and that was very intriguing with me so i when I was at college, I was like, I should learn how to weld. And that lasted one minute. You know, I didn't give a shit. I was doing other wild ass performative stuff, uh, diving. Like I said, I, you know, I dove into a dumpster and like busted my head open and <laughs> which is, which is related, right? Like, if, you know, um, now that I'm like simplifying it all. Um, so, okay. Flash forward, flash forward, try to keep it on bikes. Right. Um, <laughs> let me smoke. Let me light the cigarette. Have at it. So where did it start? Um, I moved to New York City in 2005. And no, let me backtrack. So when I was in Richmond, my friend Jim, who I don't know if I should say this, but his name was Drunk Jim. Everyone called him that. Mm-hmm. And because he was always really drunk. And it was funny until it wasn't. But he's a fucking wonderful man. And he was my bike Yoda. And I think we everyone needs that, right? Like you need someone to sort of kind of like an older brother figure or like a teacher or someone to kind of guide you. You don't need it. But luckily I had that. And so he was the guy who got me the courier job. And it wasn't like a, any kind of formal thing. We were just friends. And he would fix my bike and show me, oh, this is what the fucking the bottom bracket's threaded this way. And this and teach me all the stuff. And 
he subsequently opened up a shop in Los Angeles years later called Orange 20 that mm-hmm. Kyle from Golden Saddle worked at. And that's how Kyle sort of started. And I just saw Kyle the other day post a thing about Jim being his bike Yoda. So it was wow. like, it's awesome. It's just great. It's just cool. It's like Jim, you know, just a dude. And, and uh, so it's just neat, the timing of things and how cultures kind of actually do grow yeah. within individuals. Right. And like, it, it's, it's so neat. Um, so yeah, his name's Jim Cadenhead and he runs an awesome shop in Boston now that's small called battle road bicycles. And <clears throat> for a while he was doing a shop in, I have to give him a shout out if this is like a kind of public thing yeah um yeah he's 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 rad and i'm making him a frame right now actually like uh the next frame i'm building he's commissioning a garbaggio and it's like the friendship is still there and he's fucking hyped and like i'm stoked i'm making him like a pretty progressive hardtail because he teaches mountain bike classes to kids in the boston area that's awesome and i'm gonna this is the first bike that it really matters that it's strong because that motherfucker's rowdy as shit. <laughs> everyone, everyone else I've built it is this cruiser, you know, but this dude's like, Jim's a rowdy motherfucker. So, I mean, he's like pushing 48 and he's just still like, you know, breaking his collarbones and shit. He's so badass. That's awesome. But, uh, so yeah, he was, he was instrumental in like, sort of like kind of anyways, getting me into that world of like understanding what bikes actually are. And so I moved to New York, fast forward, I'm into bicycles, and I guess it was like 2008 or, no, it was actually 2007, um, I had that pickle still, the old Russian one, and I was riding up a hill on the Williamsburg Bridge, and I had a bunch of, I was, I used to sell my paintings on the street, and, uh, oh no, I'm getting the timeline mixed up, but I was riding with a bunch of paintings on this big courier bag, And I was like cranking up this kind of walkway that goes over the Williamsburg bridge. And I sort of like, because I was sort of cranking, I slightly leaned into the center of this little two way walkway and this douche roadie guy rocket is rocket shipping down the fucking, this narrow little, you know, tunnel basically and fucking head and shoulders right into my shoulder going like 30. Like I'm not exaggerating. Like he was flying enough to where I didn't even hear him coming. Yeah. And right when he did that, my fucking crank broke because I was pushing down and like the fucking torque of his body hitting my chest. Jeez. Fucking like my the crank broke off because it was an ancient shitty old. uh, It was a knockoff. um, I think it was Gali, which was like an Italian company that was good. But I was I just used the shit out of it. But luckily, the dude like sort of ricocheted off me in a way where it wasn't like a solid impact. And he like slammed into this fucking iron like barred fence and his front wheel went into between the fucking vertical stands of the fucking the fence and exploded like the bike just fucking shattered and his fucking helmet blew off. And it was like this insane <laughs> explosion. But like as I was falling forward because my crank broke and his I just stood there like nothing happened to me. I like just stood there <laughs> and was like, fuck. And like. I don't know why I'm telling the story. I knew why, because I needed a new bike. Because when I looked down, he actually did, like, somehow he pulled my front wheel forward and it bent the fork and it cracked the old, uh, it cracked right behind the the lug of the down tube and the head tube. 
but somehow I didn't even move. Like it just like fucking twanged the fucking tension of the front wheel enough and it broke. So I knew there was a guy named Alex in Williamsburg called the bike doctor who mm-hmm. was this surly old fucker. And he's not even that old. He just seemed like a surly, like an old fucker. And he was this rude, like troll of a dude that was mean to everyone and like just fucking short, like not short height. Well, he wasn't tall, but he was like real curt and just like old school. And what I found out in that trip when I brought in the pickle is that he was Ukrainian. Oh yeah. And, uh, he was like, are you, are you Russian? So I'm like, no, no, I'm you. Well, my last name's Ukrainian, but I'm, you know, suburban void or whatever. But, and he was like, huh. And I was like, yeah, fucking the thing do you know can you fix this blah blah blah. and he looked at me real weird and just walked away like an asshole and i was like fuck this dude you know like so i left and fucking he literally started rummaging in the back and that was it and so like a year later i was riding by his shop and he runs out and he goes hello hey hello hey 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 do you have you have the and he said it right he said you have the pickle it's and i was like what he's like yeah yeah and he's like come here and he, he went inside and uh we started talking and i had my laptop and he was like you're ukrainian right i'm like yeah yeah and I'm like he was like oh i love you know blah blah he's like i was just in ukraine and i found some bikes and i was like no way because i had just been doing all this research about all the history of the ukrainian cycling team in the 80s and how they fucking were killing it and they were making those crazy pursuit bikes with the fucking handlebars coming off the forks oh yeah and yeah. like I, I had never seen one in real life you know and uh, I was like, man, these are fucking so badass. And he was like, he looked at me again and was like, had this glean and this weird little perverted <laughs> glint in his eye. And he walked back and pulled out a tachyon frame and he had one. Wow. And he, and, and he said, I was, he was just in Kiev or Kiev and he was like searching and asking around like the local dealers and stuff about, you know, used bikes and stuff. And he knew some old guys and they took him to the old velodrome outside of Kiev. And there was, it was like a, not abandoned, but it wasn't being used anymore. And there was like a sort of like a substation building that was like a maintenance house next to it. And they just went in and were rummaging through all these old, like Soviet era machines where they actually made the frames and stuff. And he said, literally under a pile of steel, was that frame but the fork was bent and he pulled that frame out and they let him take it and it was like it's one of the training bikes for those dudes wow and uh i forget his name i think it's volenstrov is like one of the main guys right so like uh, this is a part of that whole like just the rad mystique that it all has like how we can get caught up into these fucking awesome like i love it like i love the mystique of this history and like and so this was 2007, and he was like, I would love to build it up. And I was like, dude, I'll buy that if you'll sell it, because it was too fucked up to be like a museum thing or something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And the fork was broken, and like, good luck finding the components back then, 2007, before a lot of the internet connection stuff. Yeah. Like, I, weren't gonna, I wasn't going to be able to find an original Tachyon Soviet-era fork, right? And... uh And the joke was that it was going to be Soviet gold. It's like, because I'm from the South, and we used to always hear about confederate gold like people would like dig in their backyard (laughs) and find like some stashed gold from like Uh or like confederate money for like that the confederate soldiers like when they were you know escaping the north you know the northern you know they would leave like shit in their backyard so we called it soviet gold and like decided to build it up all with this you know with gold anodized components and like i fucking 
finally had my fucking GT Pro Performer. Do you know what I mean? Damn. Like I was riding around, I was riding around New York City, feeling like just so immature, but like feeling so fucking sick. Now, and that's so cool. Like it was just like that feeling that you get, and it was a, it's like one of the, it's one of those moments that yeah. I mean, we're still chase, we still chase, right? Yeah. So now. You, you know, you get your figurative GT Pro Performer. It's this tachyon Soviet-era pursuit frame. It's built up. You can ride it. And, you know, the experience of getting what you sort of dreamed of or what you thought you wanted, how did that compare to the dream? You know, was the dream just to pursue it, in a sense? Right. Or, right. or is it like... It, I, I feel like there are certain things that, you know, I've coveted and then I get them and I'm like, oh, this was worth coveting. This is awesome. And then there's other things and you realize it's just crap. You know, it's just more of the same. Yeah. Or like right. I bought a scissor lift recently and like, no, that's awesome. Like totally, <laughs> totally awesome. Yeah. So yeah. glad I got it. it was worth the, the way that I had built it up in my head, but not always. Well, I still have that bike and it's upstairs in my house. Um, it's been, you know, 16 years now or something like that. And I still have it. And that's the one bike I'll never sell because that, that actually was that thing. Like specifically that thing that yeah, it, it was the thing. Right. And, and there's moments where it does become sort of like a construct where you're like, well, because I've thought that for so long, I should just keep thinking that. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, because I've had that feeling in the past, I don't necessarily have it now. Do you know what I mean? Like, you evolve past those things. Like, yeah. And then it becomes, like, a nostalgia, which I guess is kind of cool, too. But that's, you know, you can have a long discussion of, like, the, you know, the like, the capitalistic manipulation of what nostalgia is. But it's still, like, yeah, I still have that rad feeling when I see it. You know what I mean? It still is that object. And it's so yeah. odd. Like, there's that sort of is it a fetish? Is fetish always sexual? But it's like that thing that like it does. I still have that funny feeling. I never ride it. It's a kind of rusty and I would hate to crack it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like the paint's all peeling off and like, but it's hand that decals are hand painted and it's got the little like number. And I guess the dude that was racing was my size. So it fits me perfect. You know? Wow. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty the, cool. The riding position, I can't imagine, is super comfortable. For <laughs> well, okay, so it's not one of those crazy pursuit bikes. That's oh, the okay. thing. It's not I one. Of, it's not the. It's not that. It's not the one with the fork with the drop top tube. It's not one of those. Those those are actually more common. This oh. was like a training, just like a standard track frame. I see. With like, yeah, yeah. So it's just a regular track. Yeah. So yeah, it was actually rideable. You know what I mean? Like, and I ended up putting flat bars on it and like making it because it was like that trend when people started doing like, yeah, kind of rise their bars on track bikes around that time. And and I would I went through that whole nonsense of like the cutting the bars down to like the width of your hands. You know yep. what I mean? Like I yep. love that. I love all the trends. You know what I mean? And I love the <laughs> fucking goddamn plane hangers that the kids ride now. You know what I mean? I'm like I'm totally down with all of it. Like dude yeah it's it's all good like if you're having fun like that is absolutely the point you know yeah like i don't get into any kind of camp of what's right or wrong like i learned because of the 90s about all of that stupid like kind of fascistic cult sort of this is better than that this is cool this is not cool nonsense like all of that thank god has washed away you know what i mean like that dude alex couldn't be a shop today that the bike doctor guy like there's no way that guy could be a shop right now because he was such a fucking 
in like because Yelp exists. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Yelp would have put him out of business immediately. It might have. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because he was just so impersonable and like yeah, just of that ilk. Yeah, I mean, I expected when you go into a shop back then, you expected to be sort of like talked down to or bullied you know like i would go into a skate shop and just yep. i was the customer and they would just make fun of me <laughs> yeah like, like, wait a minute what you know it's so rad i mean i'm kind of down but like i don't glorify it like the good old days nonsense you know like mm-hmm. it was harsh like yeah 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 so okay that's a kind of an interesting segue in terms of you've talked a lot about community and stuff and so and like i think garbaggio is like a nice way to sort of kind of sort of like intentionally sort of collapses like that kind of hierarchical kind of notion of cool or not cool. And like when I got that tachyon, I sort of took advantage of it. And because these little keys to these cultures kind of like, it's, it's so wild how it works. So I rode that tachyon intentionally over to this guy, Dave Perry's shop who did a shop called bike works. And he was kind of, the sort of quintessential established sort of inside. It's, it's, it's funny because it's all built up as this kind of like, it becomes myth and it becomes sort of like kind of a weird form of celebrity and these hierarchies exist. Right. And he's just like a curmudgeonly old guy that owns a bike shop. Right. But you get into these cultures and you admire these people and they have these storied histories, but then you meet them and it's just like, Oh yeah, this is a dude. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So I took that, I took that bike over to him and I'd been to his shop a couple times and it was that same thing where he would just like eh, fix my shit and just get out of your kid. Like, you know, you don't, you're not in New York, whatever. And when I brought that bike out, I, w- I walked it in and that dude is the ultimate, just an absolute fanatical appreciator of biking. And there is, there's such a wonderful value to that because behind all that gruff sort of like exclusivity is like a true sort of purveyor and like, uh, like a valuable resource of like so much valuable information and so much history and so many relationships with people that are established in the community. And I think right now, because of the internet and especially with this frame bike world, it's like, it's so much more kind of like laterally sort of acceptant and it's great. You know what I mean? It's just, it's cool to see that. And I don't claim to know that many people in the, in the world or that much have that much history in it, but it's just like an inclusive sort of thing. And maybe that's some kind of buzzword, but it's real. Like the evolution is just so much, it's just so much friendlier and awesome. But that dude, Dave came out of the, his back with his apron on covered in grease. Uh, you know, he might've even been well wearing some kind of like world war two welding goggles on his head and like literally just like, didn't look at me at all and got down on his knees and like held the frame of the tachyon <laughs> <laughs> and like just stared at it. Cause I had built it up with some like, really choice stuff like i had a i had a star stamped alchieri chain ring on like the the gold plated uh a newer gold plated golly crank set and like there's all these stories about the alchieri family stealing from the golly family and like to put them together was like sacrosanct you know and like (laughs) so there's like it's just and so and i did all this geeky ass research and it had all these like things and he just like poured over it and like 10 years later I saw and he took all these photographs of it and documented it because he's a historian 10 years later I see that guy and he like nods at me just from that you know what I mean like it's this funny little thing where he's like he remembers even though he didn't look at me but like or really talk to me but 
he remembers it. It's such a cool thing, like to have that. I don't know. It's kind of a neat, yeah, connection. It's a connection, but at the same time, I'm conscious of like, I don't know. It's just crazy. Like just how insane. Like everyone, like everything's a cult, right? Like biking is a cult, sports are a cult, whatever. Skateboarding is a cult, and like there's all these. It's just so cool. I'm tripping out. Where are we? What time is it? <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> one, I? one thing that this I... This is a frame building podcast. I, one thing I've noticed about different online communities and probably beyond online too is that the, people behave differently in different venues. I think even the same yeah. people behave differently in different right. venues. And I would, <laughs> yeah. I, I, would, I would say like the most obvious regular thing with the frame building world is frame builders in like the Facebook groups behave very differently than frame building type people uh, on Instagram. And I much prefer the Instagram community for whatever reason that it is that way. It just seems like nobody's going to see your posts unless they follow you. And typically they follow you because they want to follow you. And so like they, they post positive things. They're supportive. They think it's neat, whatever. They're generally not jerks. And Facebook is just a lot of like bickering and sort of figurative dick measuring. And I I hate it. And, and to even relate that further to a different point I used to regularly make about bike commuting, I would say that like, if you're riding your bike on a small side street, cars, motorists tend to give you a lot of leeway and a lot of space. And if you ride your bike on like a big road and they don't think you belong there, like the same sort of people will like, you know, pass you within three inches at 40 miles an hour because they don't think you belong. And it's, it's funny how like the same people behave differently in different spaces. I don't know why. The mainstream. Maybe. (laughs) The mainstream. Yeah. The mainstream sucks. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That might, that yeah, might the just be it. The, anon- the anonymity of the, the people actually disconnected from culture and community, right? Like they're not, they have no connection to the community or the culture. And they're just like, they're just consuming it and just opin- opinionizing about it. And that's fine if you don't, if you don't internalize it, I guess. You know what I mean? If you don't get wrapped up in it yourself. Well, and get I- like all QAnon about it. <laughs> yeah. When I look at the, this, uh, I'm sure that there's some valuable and helpful discussion on the like sort of Facebook frame builders groups, but in general, what I notice about it that I do dislike when I notice that it's just, I don't know. It just seems like a lot of people having like a difference of perspective, kind of arguing about their like things that are irreconcilable. It's like, we just care about different things and we find ourselves in the same place and like they're, you know, they're not going to like convince each other of it. And, I don't know. It just yeah. seems like a waste of time. Of course. Yeah. Facebook is, that's what Facebook is. That's what it has <laughs> become in all levels of all parts of culture. Yeah. Right. There's, it's just, that's what its function is. It seems like an argue platform and like a, I mean, there's sharing and happiness and stuff, but I think Instagram has literally taken the place of like the actual sharing. Yeah. It seems that that is the balance of it. And that in skateboarding, there's a, there's a forum called the slap, uh, there was a magazine called slap magazine and they had a forum and that's the place for all that toxic sort of shit posting and, and uh, like, you know, shit talking and just bullying and just negativity. And it's still to this day, like you, it's, it's known and like, it's kind of like, I mean, Facebook's not so intentional obviously because that's, I mean, it seems just like people just like unself-awarely just blurting out what they think, you know what I mean? Like, and the slap, the slap thing is kind of like, 
the Thunderdome. Like I, most people that go there know they're going there. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like that yeah. they are like we're going in. You know what I mean? And it's like and it is not. I mean, maybe it gets personal, but I think it's intentionally just like this sort of more antagonistic sort of volatile. Yeah. Like the tone of it is. Uh, I mean, I'm sure people are getting pissed off and that's kind of the point, too. But it's, anyways, um, I mean, it exists everywhere. Right. Fuck. Well, and I think part of it is like I'm so Midwestern, maybe. And like, you know, like the Midwest polite thing. It doesn't mean right. that you're a good person. It doesn't mean that you're totally <laughs> empathetic or you're so nice and giving. It just means that you don't like a certain kind of conflict that maybe makes you uncomfortable. You express differences differently. And for me, yeah. the idea of like a public venue disagreement, it just makes me uncomfortable. Like I'll do it if I have to, right. but like I don't really want to. And I think yeah. some people thrive on that. They love it. It's entertaining. It's fun. It feels healthy. It could be healthy sometimes depending on how Consuming. you feel about it. But yeah, it's it's not for me, and so like I see that in some of these venues, and I just can't like I just gotta walk away. I'm not interested. Right, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, growing up in the South and like family in Charleston, like you would see that like even to a more like darker, and like it's even darker like that that like Southern hospitality. Do you know what I mean? Oh wow, yeah. Like the, like do you know what I mean? Like the darkness of Southern hospitality, like knowing what the culture <laughs> of the South actually is. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah you're literally like on a plantation, you know what I mean? It's uh -huh. like, we're all friends here. How about some lemonade? It's like, ugh, like there's blood in this ground, dude. Like it's so gross. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I grew up around some fucking shit bag, but, uh, that's not about bikes. <laughs> <laughs> that's not bicycles. Uh -huh. Let's talk about bicycles. So you've been cranking out hella frames this year. You're, yeah. you're taking steel tubes hard enough to source in a year like this and you're gluing yeah. them together with your low fuming bronze rod. You've made Shit. like some sort of tractor pursuit bike. You've made a lot of bikes with wild. That is actually, that is actually the industry term now. It's like the official, the tractor pursuit bike. Term. tractor pursuit. Yeah. That is actually like a, that is like a, what is it called? <laughs> like a section or a sector or like a, what is it called? A category of racing. Yeah. You know, I, so years ago, Eric Norin at Peacock Groove made like a tractor bike. It was like a Minneapolis Moline themed um, cargo bike, which was very cool. And so, and he would always call it tractor bike. And that, yeah. when I would see your, your um, tractor pursuit bike, I'm like, that's, that's like, so in that vein, but like you're, you're pushing it. And I appreciate that. It's like taking it another dumbass step. Hell yeah. The furthest. <laughs> fuck yeah it's, i'm looking at it right now it's all fucked up uh it, the so the tractor bike the, i call it the huffer yeah because it's you know based off of thematically based on yamaguchi's huffies uh back in the day that are completely outlandish right like by normal sort of body positioning you know human normal human functionality yeah for that ridiculous just specific purpose of just fucking uncomfortable speed and i wanted to do that to where you i just fucking wanted to do that and i wanted to and also with anyways i i don't know how if i can uh i'm gonna pull it out right now and look at it it's all behind a bunch of pilot trash literally it's like <laughs> i got a broken bike that sit leaning on top of it no i think to make an aside here i think <laughs> behind a pile of trash 
is probably <laughs> like the appropriate like way yep. to encapsulate one of your frames, right? I mean, who's to say where the trash ends or begins? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm looking at it right now. Um, so it's got a 24 inch by 2.8 front tire and a 29 by three rear tire, single speed. The rear is spaced uh, 135. Um, the chain stay length is obviously sliding dropout, so it ranges from, I think, I, I stretched it out a little bit, but uh, I put a dropper post on it that initially was all a part of the joke, but the dropper post ends up being absolutely functional because the 175 millimeter stem is like so far down from where your hands are once you're in the drops <laughs> that it's like kind of difficult to get onto and start riding. Oh, yeah. So, like, it's like you can start it down and then like key up the seat to where it needs to be and then you can start riding it. But once you're riding it, like, I'm going to say this, but there's magic in Garbaggio. And it's like totally rideable and it's actually fucking fast. And the amount of torque you can get and how fast you can get this thing fucking humming because it's on these knobby tires, it's fucking hilarious. And it's super stable and it doesn't really want to turn like super fast, but it's got like a wild, really wonderful, because I raked out the fork just enough to where it's kind of got like a pretty low trail, but it's a slack ass head angle. And because I'm, you know, it's like total garbaggio nonsense where I'm literally just like counter counteracting everything because I wanted it to, to feel stable, but also be able to turn. <laughs> so like it's because of the mass of the, the back wheel, like the lean of it, it's like got a really slow lean. And then once you lean, you can like turn it like a fucking motorcycle. And I've done like I've gone around like I've hit intersections going as fast as I can fucking possibly sprint and just turned into them like a fucking motorcycle. And like, luckily I was smart enough to fucking raise the bottom bracket super high mm -hmm. to where I can get pretty far. But if you're sprinting on a fucking pursuit bike in Manhattan, that's got three inch tires on it and you clip the fucking pedal on the ground, dude, and traffic is coming. Yeah. <laughs> like the bike, you better be stable. And I did that. I was like on, I rode it over the fucking Williamsburg Bridge and was sprinting up First Avenue and took a sharp ass right on Ninth, right as the, the light had already turned and there was cars coming up behind me. And I blasted my left, which is like my uncomfortable foot, and kicked the back tire off the ground, oh, wow. like in full lean mode. Uh -huh. And it fucking popped the back tire off. And if I was on a regular track bike, I would have fucking exploded and slid out. But the back tire literally skirted. And because there's so much grip on this rear tire and I was running it kind of low. Yeah. It just like hooked back up and shot me forward. And I kept going faster than I was going. That's, that's... <laughs> if someone had filmed that, it would have been like a study in like fucking body mechanics <laughs> and like fucking like like physics of like how the fuck did he pull like a like a slow motion motorcycle race where they they save themselves yeah like i totally did that and luckily i didn't eat shit so that is but it works that is fixed wheel yeah yeah it's a fixed gear gotcha. and there's yeah. uh there's no um there's no braid it's like you know pure there's no brazons yeah yeah but yeah it's got um oh and then it's got so much torque in that and like so much mass and like rotational power and grip in that back tire 
I've rid I put like three and a half, four riding hours on it, and it fucking I slammed on the to do a skid going a little bit fast on some kind of warm asphalt, and it just fucking shredded the threads on the fucking hub, like pulled them right off, like it just completely just no brakes, like it just stripped out. Yeah. Like it was completely locked up. There was no warning. There was no slips. It just fucking exploded off. <laughs> and I was just flying down the street with a on a with my fucking head like a foot from the fucking front tire. You know, literally on my like in a diving position going into an intersection with no brakes. <laughs> so I fucking took my feet out and just slid out. But and I didn't crash. But it was super dangerous. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine that. <laughs> yeah, it was so sketchy. I was on Sixth Avenue, and I was like with traffic too. So, but uh, yes, it, so now it's just now it doesn't work because I haven't um, fixed the hub. So it's it's in the it's in the pile. It's in the pile. Oh, another cool thing about the dropper post was that everyone could ride it. I brought it up to that nutmeg nor'easter just to race it around because the initial idea was to see if it could climb up steep hills and like have fun races with people. Uh-huh. And the and the dropper post made it 100%. Um, everyone else could ride it. You know, like short people could ride yep. it. And like, it was super great. It was like this fucking community thing. Like everyone could just have fun with it. And everyone was scared. And then once they got on it, it was like, oh, it's a bike. It's awesome. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah, no, dude, I thank think you, thank you for thank you for having me on your podcast, dude. This is insane. Fucking <laughs> people are gonna listen to this shit. This is fucking incredible. I think Fuck. I think if it uh let's say that we did the whole podcast and at the end of it it was like, wow, we were actually really on task, really on topic, <laughs> very sensible. I think people would be a little bit disappointed. And so let's not disappoint our guests here. Right. Ah, the Huffer. I love it, dude. It's super fun. Uh, it's like my most liked thing, you know, like it's because it's so odd. It went the kind of most sort of Instagram viral of anything I've ever done. Yeah. And this, and this little burst of bike stuff in the Garbaggio stuff. Well, like a lot of people liked it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So you had mentioned marketing and I think yeah. about marketing a fair amount with my business, just like earnestly mm-hmm. trying to make sure that I can pay the bills and that for a product like my frame fixture that has many, many, many hours of development, and then we produce it, like if we can sell another un- couple units, you know, through marketing, mm-hmm. that really helps offset that design time. Uh, but anyway, I think about it for my own needs, but then what you're doing yeah. is kind of wacky and whimsical, and you also are aware of and think a little bit about <laughs> marketing. Let's talk about that. All right, just just you just threw me off the cliff right there. <laughs> As I'm known to do. Yeah, I could probably be better at like directing you toward a specific question, but um No, it's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, I think uh, like for me right now in my life in my history, like I have a career otherwise besides bikes, right? And it's and uh generally my money is painting murals. And for a long time before recent years, I sort of was like making a living making paintings. And I had this very specific thing. That's why my Instagram is still our robots, because I had this one kind of specific thing that I did where I painted all these cartoon robots. And it was this, I mean, there's a long winded kind of art school explanation about sort of art school uh, explanation. Yeah. Just <laughs> art, art speak, you know, yep, about yep. A lot of, I don't even want to get into the nonsense yeah. of all that, oh, but I, know. Yeah. I just had this thing that I love doing. And it was, I mean, I guess in short, it was kind of like 
kind of a rejection of like the elite sort of fine art world, yeah. uh, specifically of like, you know, the commercial world and also of like the kind of inflated nature of just the scale of kind of the upper classy art stuff that exists. And this is an insane way to say it, but I mean, so I made these affordable paintings and that there's a long talk about my influence of this man named Steve Keen that made affordable paintings and, you know, people that were doing more, I guess it's called street art now and like just more direct. And like me and my friends would have art shows where we'd sell paintings to each other. And then I would sell paintings in the street. And so that developed and, and then the street art thing became a thing. Right. And that, and it became popular. And I kind of was able to sort of catch the tail end of that cultural wave with some of the older guys that are far more established now in that world, like Barry McGee are some names and people that are famous in that, in that, culture and so i did have a career doing that and i still then and to this day i don't know how i did it because i've always had an aversion to like this capitalism mode or it's a simple way to say it but that mode of just sort of making things for money and my logic was to be making these things for money in a way that was ethical and individual sort of like a rejection of mass production and it was just sort of like a call to like local and like small business and individually made and handmade. So that ethos was always there, but because of the way kind of like business works, it's like, Oh, you do that thing. We like that thing. We want that thing. And so even Garbaggio, like I'm making right now, I'm making the third kind of version of a bike that a lot of people liked from Instagram and I'm already kind of over it. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm already like, oh, I'm doing this again. That's not the point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So marketing, I mean, it's all marketing, right? Everything you do, if it's mediated in any way, is a form of marketing now, especially with Instagram. Like, the way it's blurring the lines of personal and commercial. And that's all up to the individual sort of user or human of how you want to do that. Like, I have, like acquaintances that are like exceptionally successful fine artists but their instagram is just like pictures of them and their dog you know what i mean and they're mm-hmm. just like not a thing you know what i mean and then there's people that are like just as successful that are absolutely like sort of pro- professional presentation where everything is career oriented and like exhibit you know exhibition flyers and and the bike industry seems to be the same way like they all do that like it's just kind of it's an interesting because i'm not this isn't a company. I'm not, this isn't, you know, Garbaggio is not like a commercial endeavor, but by default there's money involved. Like when people, yeah, you know, like, so, you know, and Garbaggio's are fucking expensive as shit. And I'm going to say that shit. I skipped like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're actually totally, it's a sliding scale. My, my pricing is a sliding scale of how much I feel like charging you. Um, Ooh. I know it's it's gnarly. Capitalism's gnarly, and I'm and I'm 100 down with being frank about if I don't know you very well, uh, I'm going to charge you a normal, like actual what it costs my time and like what it's worth my time because I do love doing it, so I'm going to do it and it's awesome. But if I, I'm not going to hook up a stranger on the internet, and that was that's an interesting conversation too about like the development of like what this whole bike 
uh, like what the market can bear and how a, like a company can function in this with how much actual work it is to make a damn bicycle. Yeah. It's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. Like it really is crazy. And like the way that, I mean, I'm trying to like wrap it around, wrap my head around like the relationship between what I'm saying right now and how my attention span just dissolved into nothing. And I'm just <laughs> looking at a painting on my wall and I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think that's about the speed of this interview though. <laughs> Dude, where you fucking, you dropped me off the damn cliff. This is your fault. I did. I did. Podcast. You know, something so, you no, said made marketing me think- is Marketing is great, dude. We should all market ourselves as professionally and and, uh, and efficiently as possible. It's it, it's weird. I think um, Instagram has a, a tendency, a propensity for for like pulling the inner marketer out of all of us, uh, yeah. for better or worse. Like I think a lot of people, uh, they're trying to like they don't even have anything to sell, as in a product or a service, but they're still. Right absolutely marketing and selling the idea that they are living a good life. They're like trying to convince other people that like, no, see, like I'm really happy. I'm doing it good. Or like, Oh, like, you know, like, uh, uh, my, my girlfriend was just showing me a, a picture of an old friend who just, they're starting van life. They just got a van, you know, it's like super Instagrammable that like, they're going to be doing these trips or whatever. And I'm just like, Bleh. Like it just a little throw up in my mouth. Like it's it's one thing to like to like you know to want to be recreational, to want to have time and want to travel for your own needs, and it's another thing to like share what you're up to. But I feel like it's yet a third thing to to curate like the 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 digestible image of living the certain type of life. You know, like I feel like when you see that kind of announcement, I think it's a pretty appropriate response to be filled with a little bit of disgust. Maybe, uh, maybe I think not. the rest, the rest of, uh, for, for now on my only Instagram pictures are going to be just engagement photographs of me getting engaged. It's <laughs> <laughs> like one after another. Yeah. Yeah. Just or getting like, engaged to like a, a different person, a different woman. And, different, and like, like every time, just like, Oh my God, like it's, I'm so happy. Like every time mm-hmm. just getting engaged and, <laughs> and getting a new puppy and like out front of your new house with the keys. <laughs> we did a thing. We did a thing. Yeah. Oh my God. We did a thing. There's I mean, nothing... I'm down. Fucking brag about your shit. You should. Just, I mean, but who, like, fuck it. Yeah. It, it feels like there's a difference between like, like sharing your own milestones or like looking. It's easy to judge from the outside, but like, it does of seem course. like there's an awful lot of energy that people put into to like, you know, creating the milestone. You know, like getting the. Photograph. It's always been that way, though, dude. Like, remember when? I mean, if you were a kid, you would see like your parents would get like these postcards of the family portraits. Do you know what I mean? And like everyone's mm. wearing a matching shirt or like everyone's there in the backyard and the leaves are falling. And, you it's know, one point. of the daughters is one of the daughters is pregnant and like her husband's touching her stomach. You know what I mean? And, you know, damn well, that motherfucker smokes meth. You know what I mean? And like, you know that <laughs> she, you know, like, you know, that dad's like fucking hates his wife. You know, like, you know, like, it's like, fuck, that kid's like halfway out the door and like no one knows he, they're gay. And like, it's just like, you know, the real it's so it's always been the thing, right? Yeah, so this is where I need like, I need the Garbaggio historical perspective to come in 
and uh, to check my misconceptions here. <laughs> Nothing new, man. Nothing's new. Yeah, the form changes, and that's all. Yeah, right. I mean, I think my age is like so unique, right? I'm 43. You're like kind of at 30. You're like you got a you got a good amount of childhood with no internet. Yeah. Right. And then the internet. So my age is like right on the straddle, 43, 45, a little bit younger. Like I was like 17, 18. So I was like still young enough to like adopt the internet. But Mm -hmm. I had like my whole entire adolescence without it. So it's a really like, and it's wild. It's like, that is actually right now, this generation. Like it's so quick. Fuck. That's crazy. Yeah. Like how different, fuck, how different the world is. Anyways. Yeah. No, it's bicycles. (laughs) bikes so what's next what's what's the what's going into the jig just next i'm over it i'm done this is it (laughs) but i I can talk more about so the development of it to like encourage and maybe to illustrate that like i do love i do really love this culture you know what i mean i do have a connection to the two bicycles you know what i mean it's it's like um i ride a johnny coast you know what i mean i was one of the first people to buy one of those batch bikes that i could afford when he started riding making batch bikes and like, uh, so I, I've always had like a real appreciation for bicycles once I, you know, it's when I say always, you know, as I developed my appreciation for it, it's, it's, it is a real love for this yeah. weird object. That's fun and like a crazy creative thing. And a lot of your other podcasts, so many other people have expressed it in such awesome ways in different ways, you know, it's, uh, but so to get into like my actual frame building thing, if we want to stay in that kind of frame of a podcast. Uh Yeah. 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 And, uh, so 2016, um, I was, what was I riding? I had a bike and I've always, since my courier days, I've, I've acknowledged and like, I I knew that hand built frames were a thing and I had heard about Waterford and all the, the companies that were up East and, um, there was a couple companies in like North Carolina and stuff that were making a lot of BMX stuff was really popular down there. So I knew it existed, but I never really thought about it, but I always kind of, it was in the back of my head to do it. And the art thing was kind of my main priority. And then slowly got more bored with that. And then 2016, I got a bug to like properly want to build a bike that didn't really exist. Um, that I didn't know that really existed. And when I saw the first crust bike I saw was close. Uh-huh. The first ev- evasion was close, right? Like, cause he had taken all that old and new and it was like this really awesome soup of old and new. Yeah. That was like stretching the tire size and like keeping certain levels of geometry that were sort of traditional, but also contemporary priorities. And that, literally Matt, like that really sparked like i was like oh shit that's that's it that's close you know what i mean like that's it, it's it was awesome and so and it was also i had been on instagram and then i started seeing the instagram stuff a little bit and that sparked it so i can really give matt like credit for like kind of like re-sparking my interest in like the new style of this kind of style of biking that I always sort of wanted because I had ridden old mountain bikes and stuff. I was still riding old 26 mountain bikes mm-hmm. and I never really got into hardtail stuff and I wasn't really into mountain biking too much. And like I've done, I flipped over the bars on a fucking full suspension. I've done the whole full pads thing and I'm not super into like, I mean, I've died so many times on like 
just small stuff. Like I've never really, I know that if I went into real mountain biking, I would absolutely break bones and stuff. So I can't, I've curbed my, you know, mature enough to know that that's too much. So I got the bug and I found, I heard that my friend, Nick Van Wart, who's an amazing sculptor, artist, uh, savant dude, he's a brilliant dude, super talented. Um, he had an anvil jig and, uh, I knew that you needed that to make a bike. Like I thought that you needed that to build a bike. Right. So I Mm -hmm. asked him if I could fucking build a bike in his shop like not knowing nothing like at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he had a TIG welder and he had a fabrication set up because he's a sculptor and worked with metal and he had made a few frames. So, um, right around that time too, I, I have sort of an acquaintance relationship with Johnny coast yep. through kind of the art world scene and those bike punk scene dudes. Cause I've been sort of peripheral in that, like uh, bike kill and slaughterama world with some of those guys that did like all the tall bike stuff, the black label bike guys. So I've known them kind of in peripheral for years and years too, just from New York. And, uh, I, I don't know how I got in touch with Johnny because he's pretty elusive and low key. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like a really friendly person. Actually. He's like a really yeah. nice guy. He just like kind of doesn't give a shit. It's just fantastic. He's like kind of, it's kind of perfect. <laughs> um, it's really admirable. And, uh, so I hit him up around the same time um, to check out his shop, just to see, because I had never been in a frame builder's shop, um, except for in 2003, down the street from my studio, Thomas Horst had, uh, had his shop right on the block up from mine, and I would walk by and see it. And that was a spark, too, for sure. Like, I would walk by, and his door would be open sometimes, and I could see that he was building bikes. Um, and he was kind of cagey and like not super friendly and that's understand cause I was just like a dude walking down the street. Right. So like, and then I've become friends with him too. And he's amazing. Like he's fucking ultra, one of those top shelf, uh, real fucking craftsmen too. So I went to Nick's fucking studio and just like literally started like angle grinding and hand filing tubes, um, and stuck them into the jig close ish. And I went, I, I downloaded by cat and fucking went did some drawings and I had all these sort of preconceived notions of what I wanted. Like it had to have a level top tube, but I wanted it to clear 29, three tires and I wanted it to have a slack ass head tube, but I wanted it to have a high bottom bracket and I wanted it to have low trail <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't, I don't like the wheel flop shit. I don't like the way those old mountain bikes feel when they flop out like that. And I'd ridden an old rando bike that was like quick steering. And I was like, could you do that with a big meaty ass tire with a slacker head angle? Like, could you actually have both? And you totally fucking can. And I mangled dangerously together this frame. And I called it the blowhole because literally that's what, (laughs) like, (laughs) I was going to paint it. And and like, I, I, at that point, I just, put it together and fucking slapped it and immediately took it to this bike park here called Cunningham park and just like jumped it off of a jump and like, all right, if this is going to be a thing, like, and it took me a long ass time to build. Cause I kept having to change things and like, you know, fuck thing, you know, like nothing was straight. And even in the jig, it was like off. And 
and it didn't matter. So I just fucking blasted it off this jump, and it immediately fucking <laughs> broke the fork. <laughs> <laughs> and like the fork blades just cracked right the fuck off, and like the head tube went right into the dirt, and my fucking <laughs> just like fucking ate shit. <laughs> It was perfect. And I was like, and Sean from uh, this bike shop called King Cog, which is a yep. fantastic bike shop in New York City, has also become a close friend of me. Yeah, he's fucking amazing. And he's been super supportive and fucking helped me learn. And um, he, 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 I was posting images of the brazes and he was like, it's going to break, dude. I'm like, I know. Shut up. He's like, <laughs> of the fork. He was like, that's not how you do it. I was like, I know. Shut up and put it together. You know, like, and it broke. And so then I then I really contacted Johnny. I was like, can you help me make a real fork, you know, and sort of teach me how to braise. And so I took the blowhole over there and fucking he just was like so gracious to <laughs> like to entertain my um, to entertain me. And actually, I gave him money. I paid him for his time because I know what it is. It's worth real. Mm hmm to teach me how to braise and we did three days and i think i gave him a couple hundred bucks a day like proper you know like a real thing and he was a bit skeptical but i think he's taught a few people and he's a fucking fantastic teacher and if he's listening to this i think he should obviously teach more people because in the three days with him it's just like that's my foundation it's fucking solid as shit like it's not like he taught me how to braise i knew everything but like the fundamentals just in casual sort of pointing out things about how a bike functions and how geometry works and how brazing and how, where the torch goes and how to clean this. And it was just like, just like him casually conversating about this wealth of wonderful knowledge. And it just like absolutely helped. And so that gave me like a huge other level of confidence to keep a little bit pushing forward. Yeah. And so I made a fork with him and that even had more rake, and I can send you photos. It's it's way back in my Instagram, but you can see it. It's a ridiculous bike, but it kind of looks like what tumbleweed and them are doing now, wow. like in terms of where their geometry is. I'm not saying I'm ahead of anything because there's been <laughs> bikes being made of that. But I mean, it's okay to say that tumbleweed's copying me. You know, yeah. what I, mean? no, like I think I'm that's <laughs> I I think that's probably an accurate assessment, right? <laughs> dude, I want to be the villain, dude. Garbaggio is the villain. Uh huh. Um, so. That bike, I rode it for a long time, and I remember riding it around and like riding around New York City with these three-inch tires and all the fucking the PK Ripper kids. Do you know what I mean? Like all the twelve o'clock boys. How oh yeah, these herds of little dudes are riding yep. around. Like they would just be so hyped on the blowhole because they'd never seen other bikes with bigger tires than theirs. Uh -huh. So I'd be cruising around Brooklyn on this bike, and this herd of like little 14, 12 year old kids would be like, yo. And I'd be like, what's up? And I'd like try to do a wheelie and crash, and they would just laugh their asses off. You know, it was just, mm -hmm. it was so rad. It was so awesome. Anyways, this is a fucking podcast, dude. I'm talking. Thank you. It, it truly is a podcast. You know, I think it, <laughs> I think at this point we can be sure that if nothing else, it is a podcast. Uh, what, yeah. what else do we have? Okay, on the, so, yeah. Okay. What am I? I'm going to outdo you. This is going to be rad. I'm yep. going to talk more. I'm going to fucking wear you out. You're going to be yawning. <laughs> well, I do need to eat dinner at some point in, let's say, about an hour at least. At the, cool. at the longest from now <laughs> so so we'll, we'll give ourselves some sort of limit but uh fast yeah what, forward what, to midnight fast forward to midnight i hope not <laughs> all 
right. Yeah, I, I ate a, like an ancient cliff bar I found a couple minutes before this. I'm like, that ought to do her. Uh, okay, so. Carrying on. Delicious scallops. Let's talk about my scallops that I just made. Oh, man. They're so good. You got it figured out. Okay, so. Bike frame building, Garbaggio. Yeah, with your story, you had mentioned sobriety before. If you think that's related to your story, or you care to talk about it? That could be, it could be cool. Yeah, fuck it. Um, so it's yeah, I've been sober for twenty four years. Damn. Man. Um, congrats. Yeah, yeah, I, I was. Yeah, man. I mean, congrats. Thank you. It's uh, it's just one of those sort of reality necessities for me. Um my my story is relatively extreme like i was a part of some kind of wild lifestyle shit in the later 90s and just kind of exploded and like ended up in hospitals and shit and it was like real properly lost my mind you know what i mean mm-hmm. and just like can't do it you know what i mean and like the history of my family and the circumstances with just like addiction stuff and so yeah i had to get sober and uh people talk about like alcoholics anonymous and that really worked for me early on and got me out of that initial sort of stage of sobriety um i mean i don't know if i need to get too much into like sort of some kind of like big messages about the values of sobriety but like <laughs> sort of like these principles that i learned in specifically Alcoholics Anonymous kind of like laid like a more, I guess, spiritual and sort of self-aware kind of like foundation about, you know, behavior and how you treat people. And I mean, I don't know, this is really good for me. And then, yeah, dude, I'm insane. So like I, if I do drugs, I'll be insane and fucking it'll, it's just too risky for me to like kind of play around with. And I have like, a kind of a healthy fear of the reality of like what drugs can do. And a lot of people around me died and went to prison. And so like, yeah, it's just fucking, I just don't really have a relationship to drugs and alcohol that are, is good. I don't, it's kind of hard to sort of just, you know, like kind of, what do you call it? Just like summarize like in a quick, yeah. you know, kind of podcast digestible format, but <laughs> Um, I don't know if you are thinking about, if you're listening to this and you're having a hard time with sobriety and you maybe want to think about going to AA or something like that and, but you have qualms about like kind of the, maybe it's a cult or maybe it's too Christian or something like that. I would say just go and try to meet people that are supportive if you can, if you need some kind of new relationships in your life, that could be, it was helpful for me to sort of develop that new kind of patterns and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's fucking cool. And I'm down. Sobriety's good for me. It's all good. I got plenty of fucking, you know, plenty of crazy energy in my brain to fucking keep me occupied. I don't need, I don't need drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast. Yep. Hell yeah. I appreciate that. The PSA. The PSA. Hey, so bro, yeah. You know. I'm down. It's yeah. good. So you meet cool, your man. listeners where you meet your listeners and you meet your guests where you meet your guests. So, uh, yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. Uh, 
<laughs> you know, people are all in, in all different places, and and uh, you know, sometimes a discussion right. that is seemingly out of place might actually be uh, of interest to somebody, but uh, or 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 necessary. Yeah, I'm 100 percent down. I don't. I'm not really obviously. Uh, yeah, I, there's there's no rules. That's no, kind of the point. No That's what Garbaggio is, dude. We finish first. There's no rules. So now the philosophy of Garbaggio, uh, I think in a couple of my Instagram stories recently, I, it seems like you're sort of DMing. You, you'll comment when I'm <laughs> when I'm talking about an idea and you'll say, yeah, this resonates with me, or this is like the spirit of Garbaggio or something. I think when I was expressing sort of like, I have this idea that I like to push from time to time, which is just like, I think the meaning of life is to make things and to share those with other people and to make things that might matter to other people or that might help other people. And, and specifically as for me, I really like engineering and making and like shop stuff, metalwork. And so for me, that means like buy crusty old machines, learn to make something with them, learn to fix them. It's like so satisfying, just do it and then rinse and repeat. And, and you have suggested on more than one occasion that that is very in the spirit of what you're trying to do with Garbaggio. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Correct. (laughs) <laughs> um the dropper post on the huffer is like a fantastic example of that like making it out of the fun of making it and then ultimately like the reality of it becoming this tool where like everyone could ride it was like the biggest plus of this whole silly insanity like the pushing the logic of what bikes can be and like the joking on the racing culture and the, like the kind of historical stuff with Yamaguchi references mm-hmm. and just like the absurd geometry and like the ridiculous craftsmanship and all of that like is fucking awesomely a part of it. But like, you know, bike, like riding a bike and especially when you're at an event like bike kill where everyone's, they have all these crazy monster bikes or at, at the, the nutmeg nor'easter, like, being able to just like hand someone this crazy thing and it was like their size that was just that's the gold of it and that was like what brought the joy of this object was like literally sharing it and like having people to be able to just like regardless i don't know it just fit a bunch of people so that was just that was great and i think i think life is uh Oh man, it's funny to like try to come off with like a one-liner that could be real profound about like the <laughs> meaning of life, right? Like, uh-huh. I mean, we're talking about like chain stay length and the meaning of life in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> <clears throat> I think uh, yes, I think yes, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> I think like I agree with you, and I think that Garbaggio. It's interesting for me to talk about Garbaggio because. And specifically back to the notion of marketing and like kind of this sort of fear of like meeting your heroes, right? And like kind of this mystique of the the brand, right? So like, like, oh man, so okay, here's a good story real quick about I was driving back from a job and I passed through Des Moines, Iowa. Mm -hmm. And I went to a coffee shop and there was these two old guys like well into their later 60s and they were both riding gorgeously fabricated like to the fucking Chapman degree of perfection 
road bikes that were like fully randoed out with like racks and lug lines and fucking carved everything and like beautiful fucking logos like that were just like surfaceless that were like tiny details Mm -hmm. like everything about them was like the top most quality and it was just these two fuddy-duddy dad looking guys and i was like hi uh i'm just traveling through town and i'm a fucking kind of a bike nerd and what are these and they both were like oh yeah i made one guy was like yeah i made this and i'm like wait what and the other guy was like oh yeah this is made by blah 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 and he's he's a real builder and we had this super cool conversation and like you want to go see his shop and i was like yeah yes i yes please (laughs) and so this is just last or two summers ago it was right before covid and he called this guy and they said yeah come over And, and he's like yeah just follow us and like they rode their bikes and I got in my truck and followed them maybe two and a half, three miles out of town into this in a little suburb right there. And we went to this little garage and I walked into this garage and there was this like just grizzled little man. Uh, and I walked in and there was like a hundred bikes in this garage. And I looked up and there was like six eisen trouts hanging from the ceiling. Wow. And I'm like, you know what I mean? And I have this kind of, I have all this mystique built into me, you know, and knowing these histories and shit. And I'm just like, where the fuck, who the fuck are you? And the dude looked at me and he says, please don't take any photographs. <laughs> like deadpan serious. Cause I pulled my phone out. Yeah. Like I was immediately going to like, I'm creating some motherfucking content right here. <laughs> like I'm just hyped. I'm like, holy shit, dude, I'm going to fucking get so many likes, dude. And this dude was like, yeah, don't take photographs. And I was like, all right. You know, I was like, fuck. And so I put my thing in and, and he just was like kind of not super friendly, kind of uncomfortable. And not he wasn't a dick, but he just wasn't super like socially comfortable necessarily. And like he had these like four or five like in process frames that he said he'd been working on for like over a year because he's kind of slowing down. And I forget his fucking name and I forget what his company was called. And he'd been building bikes since the 60s. And he was a master. Wow. And like people probably know who he is. Yeah, hopefully. Right? probably guys that the old guys know who I'm talking about. If they're listening to this, they're like, oh, yeah, that's blah, blah, uh-huh. blah. He's a fucking curmudgeon or whatever. And they'll joke about him. But like it was just like walking in. And so it was just an amazing. I mean, I have no idea what the point of this is. But like talking about marketing and mystique and stuff. And like yeah. how conscious we conscious I am of it. And you are of it. And like probably everyone that's grown up with it and then this guy and there's like this other sort of mentality of just sort of like this guy's making these amazing bikes for people he knows and some kind of like 60 year old plus clientele that doesn't use email very often yeah so rad it's super cool so there's the yawn there's the yawn i've heard you yawn in other podcasts no way (laughs) i've heard the yawn Okay. I've heard you yawn in other ones. Well, it is 10 right, p.m. Doing it. Uh, that's that's less a sure. reflection on your story. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of people who just love the work and they don't necessarily love the business of it. They don't really want to jump through yeah. the hoops of it takes it's it's a whole other job just to promote yourself, just to run the business right. and I Right. Uh, in in what we'll call last week's episode that I recorded with Tom Lamarch, he's talking about the TSA, the Tin the Tin Shack Alliance, <laughs> which is my new favorite <laughs> term for the for the guys who just work out of their their shack in their garage or in you know, the backyard or something. 
Um, dude, so yeah. I met. I think I met the fucking Gandalf of that scene, dude. He's in Des Moines somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, really, there's this romantic notion of being like a craftsperson, you know, like a watchmaker or something, just yeah, having absolutely. like all the machinery and just working out of this little like fuck off world. Like, I'm not going to sit at a desk and answer emails right now. I'm not going to, you know, synergize. Uh, the I don't I don't know how to do buzzwords. I don't work in corporate America, but you know anyway. Yeah. Synergize upward dynamic streams right. of confluence. Yeah. But the point being, uh, you know, what do you want to get out of it, and what do you want to achieve with it? If you're trying to really pay the bills, and especially if you're trying to like support your family or something, you probably right. kind of need to care about marketing. But if you're doing right. it for the love of it, why the hell would you concern yourself with that unless you wanted to? Yeah, I mean, Garbaggio is like pure marketing. <laughs> it, you know, some, just... <laughs> something you had said earlier reminded me of how um, I feel like in order to succeed on something like Instagram, you can't really be a full person or like a full <laughs> idea. I feel like it is a platform that incentivizes like one dimensionalizing yourself sort of so like i i like I mean, to think and i'm not an expert but i feel like if you wanted to really succeed on instagram something that would really help you is if a newcomer to your page could look at like the first 15 posts and have a very clear sense of what the page is about but like yeah. let's say your interests include chess and russian literature and bicycles but also right. you know 1980s punk hardcore whatever and like it, also cooking and it's too many things right. and like people right. want people want you to be easier to digest and more simplified and so it's right i don't even remember where this point was leading now but it, no it, i get it we're talking about mess. the whole presentation yeah 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 and and i've made a conscious decision to sort of try to like step out of that when it feels when i feel like it do yeah. you know what i mean and not give yourself of, the freedom and, that was the point of my discussion about like doing that one thing with my art career for a long time. Yeah. Because I, that happened where I got into that mode of like, Oh, you make that thing. We want that thing. So I'll do that thing because money's coming to me. Mm -hmm. And that, that went well beyond my desire to make that thing. Like in its purest form, like I still enjoyed doing it and I love the process of creating art, but art and you know what do you, the definition of all that in terms of a business and all when you get into the money of things and so garbaggio absolutely was like in what is like just like exemplifies or is like intentionally antithetical to that notion yeah like the, the it's clearly not that like like the and it's crazy to be talking about garbaggio so much right it's like it's like, <laughs> like the whole thing was, I mean, the whole reason that it's actually anything at all is because of God is fucking Matt posted it on his Instagram and he has like a hundred thousand followers. Yeah. Matt from crust bikes. I've developed a friendship with that dude and we can talk all sorts of shit about him if we want. Cause it's hilarious, but like he's the best and, and he blew me up. And he was literally, literally, he sent me a text message and was like, you're in for a world of hurt. Like, you know, some shit like that was like, uh -huh. get ready, motherfucker. And I was like, what? And then I saw that he had posted my shit. And so I got that ridiculous flood of like, you know, Instagram serotonin endorphin rush and oh, like I was super that. excited. Yep. 
And like, so yeah, this is like the story of Garbaggio. Like the fucking, literally I got 125 DMs wow. within a day and a half. And I got maybe 2000 more followers in like, uh, within two days. And that was when I was immediately confronted with this discussion we're talking about of, oh, fuck, money. Oh, fuck, marketing. Oh, fuck, company. Oh, fuck, image. Oh, you know, all that shit. And like, oh, job. Oh, work. Like, do I love this process? Do you know what I mean? Like, I I had, I want to make bikes. I love making bicycles. Like, it's a really fucking gratifying thing to do. It's like, I mean, isn't it? in that sort of a, in a kind of a simplified way, like to be able to make an object that you can give to somebody. I mean, we love, you know, and if you have that fetish that we have and anybody that's considering buying something like a fucking Garbaggio clearly has that appreciation for these things. Yep. Like, so that immediately was like flooded onto me in a, in a way that like, I don't necessarily think was good. It was, it's, it is good, but there was like a lot of trepidation with my, with my, you know, my history and everything. So I was forced to like kind of deal with this like onslaught of just random human beings, like of varying degrees of talk about these Instagram forums or the Facebook stuff of people hitting me up in these like sideways, like we don't know, human beings don't know how to communicate. And then especially through a direct message, mm-hmm. like someone in some red, they just send some, how much bro? Like, mm-hmm. what? hi, my name hi, my name's Nick, you know, like, I live in New York City, and I make this, how are you, like, what's your name, you know, it's like, and you look at it, and it's like, death donkey 48, it's like, wait, what, like, it doesn't make any sense, so I immediately had to do that thing, where I was like, fuck, I have to think about money, if I do want to make more of these, so it was like a super condensed crash course of consideration of how does this going to function, as like a commercial or non-commercial situation because this is commercial like i'm potentially i guess providing a service (laughs) like a i'm making an object maybe i think the bike that he posted was only the eighth garbaggio yeah and or seventh seventh or eighth one and i immediately because i'm making it for my friends for not so much money this i'm at that stage of like yeah i'll make you a bike this is red let's what do you want and it's like this personal interaction and that part of it and a lot of your people that you've talked to have communicated about that so well like it's such a rad process and that i think obviously is like one of the biggest values of this uh custom building frames right it's like it's this i don't remember which person talked about it very very clearly which is like that is the value yeah of like making the the tailored suit of a bicycle for somebody. Right. And it's like the back and forth and the development and, and the woman, the Terry, what's her, Mrs. Terry. She yep, talked Georgina, about like, yep. De- Georgina developing the relationships and becoming friends with the people. And like, dude, now that when I, my homies that have garbages and the clients now, I guess I can call them like that have garbages. It's like, fuck yeah, dude. Like we're, we're laughing the whole time. Like, mm-hmm. and the, t- the tone of garbage, I quickly, was absolutely anarchistic about it because it's fucking garbage. So I would just send uh-huh. the most absurd response. It's just like, <laughs> like how they'd be like, how much? And I'd be like, well, you know, they'd send me, 
I'd be like, whatever. I'd say some ridiculous shit about cannolis and fucking how many boxes of fucking fettuccine can you send me? And, you know, just like, <laughs> it was like super ridiculous about the whole Italian nonsense. You know what I mean? That's, making, like, that's weirdly making me hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> we keep talking about it. Well, I had been so, planning yeah, that... on making macaroni, so. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, fuck. So, yeah, that happened. And that's that's what happened. And it's now I'm stuck in a fucking cave of pain making bikes for people I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's awesome. I, I think, you know, there's no there's no easy solution. It's like we right. we live in a world, you know, I mean, you could say that it's just capitalism, our economic system, or you could say it's larger than that. It's like we have to do something, right? Right. And yep, so you can you can like show up to work for somebody or you can have some other hustle or you can you whatever you know there's different ways to live in this world and if you love making stuff you might be able to to do that to pay the bills but it's always at risk then of you know corrupting your love for the thing because you have to approach it right, so differently right. it, it maybe gives you a stress about it. it it reduces the freedom of the ways that you could go about it you you maybe do have to one-dimensionalize yourself make sure that you remain palatable and consumable and you know uh, remarkable and it, it's very different and um yeah i mean it i empathize with anyone who struggles and wrestles with that because it's it's not an easy thing to figure out in the time that i wanted to do bike frame right. building i never figured out where i sat in that or how i was going to make myself comfortable with any of that i think like the venture i'm on to now i have it's it's been a little bit easier for me to understand how i would do that commercially without hating it but frame building I think the fir the more artistic the thing you're doing is, the harder it is to like find peace with that. Yeah, maybe, maybe, hopefully, unless, yeah, it's all circumstantial too, right? Yeah, like if you've established yourself as a way, like someone like Chapman, who can, you know, obviously yeah. spend as long as he needs, and he's probably relatively efficient with his process, but you know that yeah. shit takes a lot of time yeah you know and you know that motherfucker charges a proper premium for what he's doing and he's established himself as the master of that so it's like that's all justified and fucking fantastic you know what i mean it's I, so amazing i love uh watch it just as a little appreciation aside here but like brian chapman yeah. the videos that he makes the, i mean those videos yeah, alone are a whole lot of work those are done beautifully but then yeah. just yeah you can see in the motions of his hands that he just has such good control, such clear, like yeah. familiarity and muscle memory. And it's just like, I mean, the, the product is like, you know, it's artfully rendered, but like just the yeah. process of watching his hands work, it's like that, that's like, you know, tickets to a concert right there. It's just right, to watch right. the master at work is a beautiful thing. Fuck. Yeah. It's amazing. That's so cool. I admire it. Um, so yeah, fucking Garbaggio is a big pile of shit, and I love it, and it's super fun. So, so um, when are we gonna see the live performance art where you where you build a Garbaggio? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are some fucking things in the works that might be entertaining, and I'm not gonna say any of them. Oh, and damn. I can't, I can't, I can't blow it. And I might have sold out a little bit too, so it's pretty rad. Oh man, you, but you don't want to be the one to blowhole yeah. your your upcoming. Yeah. I'm trying to work that in here somewhere. 
<laughs> I mean, I've come, it's, that's, I mean, that's a huge part of it. So like Instagram is the marketing, right? And like, it's so fun to just play with the absurdity of all of it. Like that's a whole part of this, but that's what's so fun about this sort of garbaggio thing is being able, it is kind of all of those boxes that I get to play with. Like, you know, in the best case scenario, I develop a fun relationship with a human being mm-hmm. that we get to make this object that is literally for fun. And like the vibe of yep. it is intentionally fucking fun. And like just the fact that it's called fucking garbaggio is like, all right, we're starting with like good, like in a way that's the kind of good that we know the intentions here are fucking fun. And then I get to make the damn thing, which is obviously if what we discuss is like that process is so gratifying and if you're listening to this and you haven't done it yet or whatever, like just try it. Like I know a lot of people have said it, but just get into it, buy some tubes and fucking start heating them some way and melt them together. It's super fun yeah, and is. make a fucked up bike and you know, don't make a, you're not going to make a fucking nice bike and maybe you are, you know, like sometimes people are super good, but so then it goes from that and then I get to deal with paint and you know, we get to deal with the colors of the bike and like, that's a fucking wonderful process of aesthetics and i can pull all sorts of historical or just off left field references with that if i want to and that's an amazing process and then the instagram with the marketing and these little instagram posts like i'm just kind of like whatever like accepting this weird reality of like this is the where this is my magazine article this is my you know my blog post or like my feature in the yeah whatever you know what i mean like that's this is what everyone has so i love playing with that and so i get to come up with all these fucking absurd catchphrases that are completely wrong and backwards and just fucking it's just fun man i love it yeah super cool very good yeah i think and that is the story of garbaggio we need some good music to fucking conclude this uh yeah yeah, we do. Uh, <laughs> I got to play you out to some. Uh, on the last last week's one with Tom Lamarch, he was he was talking about the Emmy music at more than one point when you gotta when you gotta fade somebody yeah, out. Just cut them off. <laughs> uh, no, you're you're good. Um, yeah, let's just talk. Out, let's just talk just a little bit more about. Um, yeah, like the the paint work that you've done. Uh, it looks like a lot. I feel like when you look at it, it makes the bike look fun, but it also looks like it could very well have been fun to produce or have you found it to be fun to have discussions with who you're building the bike for about the paint? Tell us about that. Well, (laughs) it's fun. It is. It's super fun. Um, I like painting things and <laughs> you're, you're fucking drop me off the cliff, man. I loved fucking, it. I think I have, yeah. a, I think I have a bad way of asking questions. I like open up like a whole subject and I like list all the dimensions <laughs> of the subject that I'm curious, <laughs> at, curious about this dimension and aware of that. And I'm like, so here you go. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Some of the head trips that I'm in with it are I've, so I'm working on number 15 right now and uh, you know, Garbaggio, I I guess I made like four or five frames before that, but like it's like I said, I'm literally working on the third 
version of one of the bikes that had been posted from the internet, right? So it's kind of the same sort of concept in terms of like which which way the tubes are doing and you know the geometry and all that. And then I've already fifteen bikes in, sort of gotten into this. I'm like getting into a formula which I'm like kind of skeptical about. Like I'm not really super into it, right? Like I do love doing it, but when it starts to become like, I'm not, I, I don't I'm, it's ridiculous to use the word progression mm-hmm. with what Garbaggio is because it seems like a combination of like regression and, you know, <laughs> all, you know, like all of, you know, but like, so I'm right there at that point right now. And also that swell of attention that Matt, because of his post, that swell of attention has waned already, right? So mm-hmm. it's like that, that light, like the, so the idea of, and I think it's kind of amazing, is that like the idea of like an entire career arc could happen in seven months. Yeah. <laughs> because of Instagram, right? Like I could just stop, like no one could forever, like from now on, no one might ever buy a Garbaggio again. You know what I mean? Like it might never happen again and I might never make another one again again like i might kind of be over it like i'm getting to this one where i i mean i still love the process so i'm going to keep making bicycles but like it's just interesting that it's like already to that point where i'm like all right well i'm gonna do another one of these because i'm inherently technically limited because i'm still a fucking beginner Mm -hmm. which is kind of the point too right it's like i really do appreciate being in this point where i am getting better and it's like I don't know if that's interesting, like being good at this. I don't know if that's like, like that's really necessarily a priority of what I'm right. My friend even just today, Hey, what if I want that? (laughs) Like they, like till I get to a point where they're actually, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it ever will, but that's just a part of this process where I'm like specifically right now at where it's like, I'm confronted with that kind of notion of am I just going to kind of produce these things kind of like in an automatic sense where I'm not being creative. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where I'm just like taking the order and like making the bicycle that the person wants that I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's the, the passion of what Garbaggio is. Like I'm down to do it, but like if I sense like somewhat of a lack of, like I've already kind of like shut a few people down, right? Like the people are just kind of like, I want this and this and this. I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and that's kind of not my thing. That's not where I'm at. It's not what I want to make. And that's, I'm down with saying no too, right? Yeah. And so that's maybe a lesson for some people too, right? Like where to find that balance of like when you're trying to do a business and you hear like, especially with something like bikes, like you might have to just kind of like crank out these things when you're developing to like that aren't necessarily what you want to do right yeah and so that's a part of that challenge of all this business and and functionality of like being true to your vision and all of that and it's so yeah i'm kind of in that it's pretty awesome yeah it's very it's a fortunate place to be i'm really i'm really fucking i'm really stoked because the process of building the bike still is like a very magical like i really love the process of like cutting and melting these tubes together and making a bicycle it's awesome yeah yeah, it's a dicey, it's a dicey right, proposition. <laughs> right? It's, I guess. It's a hard I thing mean, to, like... to charge into it. And especially, like, I can see what it is 
I can see part of what it is that you're interested in about the work. And it seems like, yeah, like a difficult thing to commercialize it. What you were saying about being on the third iteration of the same one reminds me a little bit of, you know, like an artist editioning their prints, you know, like a printmaker or something. But uh, yeah, it's like it, it, sure. it, cause, because that would be a thing, you know, like, let's say you're a, I have a friend who makes mezzotints, but like you, you make some sort of fancy print and there's like a very limited number of them inherently you addition them and to have, you know, like print number seven of 15 means something. Cause you know, there was only 15 of them or something. It like, it changes, right. it changes what that thing means if you care about collecting crap and if you care about exclusivity. And that's another discussion in the art world about like rich yeah. people buying stuff right. just, just solely because it's exclusive, you know, that's obnoxious, but, right. but, but it does mean something different. And so like, you know, if, if you create like this weirdo, screwball thing and people think it's funny and there's only one of them it kind of you know like it's it's a different process for you when you made that and it also maybe means something different to the person than if it becomes commodified and if it becomes like right. r routine I, Absolutely. I, don't, I don't know what there is yeah. to say about the, that <laughs> the, the interesting thing well i can say the, the interesting thing about garbaggio is that that's actually the ultimate exclusive commodity yeah so if you're wealthy and you're listening to this <laughs> if you're a rich bike collector listening to this yes it's just gonna be super 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 expensive yeah because there might not ever be another one another one made you know what i mean like this this could be the last one that i'm building right now it could be you know what i mean nobody could knows be. nobody knows <laughs> That was that wasn't as funny as I wanted it to be. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I wanted that to be funnier. Oh, well, fuck. Well, yeah, they'll they'll be fooled though. Uh, we can see that. Well, be. it's true though because I can only make so many. So like fucking, I mean, that's hilarious. Like who knows, right? Like that dude. Anyways, who fucking knows? This is all insane. Everything's insane. It is. It is. It's fucking crazy. All right, so <laughs> so just tell me to bring it full circle. When you were a kid and you saw that mongoose with the golden chariot with the mag wheels, uh, what what's that been lately? Do you have like a, a vision that you're chasing with the bikes that you're building for like, or, or are you at liberty to share like an upcoming project that you're working on? I should have texted a couple people about if I was able to share it. Uh, you would have had like a cool a cool exclusive. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I am collaborating. With you can be some incredibly things. vague. That might make it more interesting nah. to our listeners. <laughs> yeah, that's all. I, that's all I will say is that I, I have collaborated with um, a th an entity in the universe, and uh, oh, man, I would love to say more specifics about what it is. But it's it is bike related, and it's because of supply chain issues it's taking a lot longer than it should have mm -hmm. um but it's kind of cool because we had that extra time to sort of reconsider things and kind of whatever and so that's happening relatively soon samples are arriving um i would hope to say by april or maybe may um and yeah it's like a very exciting uh super cool project that i was able to be asked to do and uh yeah that's all i can say and it's fucking rad and i'm very stoked about it um 
that's I'm going to keep saying that's all I can say because that's all I can okay. say. Okay. <laughs> all right. That I'm excited about it. And um, final question <laughs> is, can I get you to sign off saying your full first and last name so that at the beginning of the episode, when I record an intro, I have a pronunciation on record for how I might say it. How do you think it's, how do you think you pronounce it? Uh, Kuzik? Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. How would you say it? So it's Nick Kuzik. Nick Kuzik. Kuzik. Cool. Kuzik, yeah. Pretty simple. Kuzik. Excellent. Well, thank you for being my, uh, my, (laughs) my, (laughs) my trashiest guest. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I'm going to do some goofball screwball intro stuff. I'm going to talk about how, uh, this week on trash talk or something. So look forward to that. Hell yeah, dude. Crazy. The garbage man himself, Nick. Kuzik. Oh Lord. <laughs> Fuck. You don't even have to say my name. I don't really care about my name involved in it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. It yeah. Matter. We can yeah. keep it secret. You just say garbage. Yeah. You could just say garbage. That's even funnier. Cause that's, that was like a big consideration about this. Right. Cause I am hyper-conscious of this sort of mystique of the ridiculousness of it all. Uh. And so to like have this to me, just to be open and up front sort of kind of pops the bubble a little bit of like the, the, the imagination that's involved in like consumerism. You know what I mean? And just like that connection to the image of the product and that one dimensionality, like there is kind of like a cool value in that. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. You know, so like I do appreciate, I do like that. So I was like trying to find, like I joked about like doing the whole interview in a, with an Italian accent. Like I'm, you know, <laughs> trying to how to fuck with, how to fuck with it, but the gabagool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just, but I, you know, I, I do want to just actually talk. So uh-huh. be a human. I'd be a human because that is kind of the point too, right? It's just like yeah. to to be fucking human beings and not be sort of like just to try to be a normal human, like especially in this sort of mediated world with these podcasts to try to be like actually myself and like kind of normal. I don't know. Try try to be normal. (laughs) Yeah. I I think that's something that I, I try to like in the way that I relate to people through Instagram and YouTube and all that. I, I, I try uh, to just right. be kind of straightforward right. and be myself. I feel like there's some utility right. in that. I think um, if I can <laughs> keep it real, I think uh, yeah. I think people relate to and connect to that. So it's like it could be strategic, but it's also, you know, I, I don't know. That's what I'm trying to do. But I, I, so I can understand the impulse to go either way because I think it's just fun right. and funny. <laughs> and I see your point about the mystique too. So, <laughs> right, right. Anyhow, it's cool. Yeah, Red. All no, right, I, dude. It's it's like no. I, I want to be. Let's be emotional and real human beings, though. Like on a real level. Yeah. Like, like with the whole kind of hierarchy and the appreciation of these cultures and stuff, and like, and and like me having actually invested my kind of heart or whatever and my care into like loving these kind of cultural things like skateboarding and, you know, and, and the bike world and the bike industry. I don't know if that's what it is, but, and like knowing all these human beings involved that you've, you've invested so much of your awesome time into doing this. It's like actually kind of a thing. And like, we forget, like, I, I, I don't know. It's like hard to kind of appreciate it when you're actually in it maybe. And the fact that you are doing it and then that you're actually like, you are willing to include me in that. And like, I am actually the person right now sitting here, 
like with you talking about it, it's like really fucking incredible. And I really fucking appreciate it. And it's just cool. It's like, I, it's fucking wild that like, it feels like a huge success. You know what I mean? Like it, and like the more, the older you get and the ups and downs and the craziness of like attention and career and fucking whatever, like, I don't know, to be able to be, to do this right now is just super, I appreciate it a fucking lot. It's really cool, man. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you doing it with me. (laughs) It's so rad. Yeah. Well, thanks for being my guest. This was like episode 52 or three or something. I think it was a massive success. And, uh, uh, I can't, I can't wait to see all this, uh, this new project that's shrouded in mystery. You have my attention. Cool. Um, let's do like you do in every single one of your episodes and like really sort of drag out the awkward timing of like the weird goodbye. Yeah. Oh, I think, I think we're there and then some, uh, well, so I'll see you later. See you. Yeah. But man, it's been, I dude hanging up now. Okay. Uh, Uh, wait a minute. Is this on? We'll talk soon. Right. Did you wait? Do I sign off first? How do you get off of here? Later, dude. Are are you still on?